Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we are talking USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Or you can go to his website, harveyhyde.com. We have actually started football. Fall camp has started one day in. Uh, it was over the weekend, but still, we had a day of practice on Saturday at USC. No pads or anything, but, you know, Something's happening. You can tell football is almost here. They're actually out there being coached in uniforms, throwing the football around, doing stuff. So we're that much closer to college football. If you have any questions or comments for me or the coach or Dan Weber or Gerard Martinez, Keely Yor, anyone, Shotgun Spratling, anyone on the USC staff, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text 424 254 Nine one four one. Yeah, it does have to be a question. You want to share your thoughts, what you think about what's going to happen for this USC football team? Call us. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the air and we'll discuss either your question or what you had to say. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we're on iTunes, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. But we're also on a plethora of other podcasting apps like TuneIn Radio and Audio Boom and Stitcher Radio. Um, a lot of different places. Google Play. We're out there everywhere. Just go look for Peristyle Podcast and you should be able to find us. This is our 10th football season coming up, which is crazy. And we look forward to talking with the coach who's got a lot of football knowledge and get his thoughts on what's going to happen this USC Georgia football season. Coach, thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you're doing well. I am doing excellent. And thank you very much for having me on our podcast. I look forward to it every week. And, uh, Ryan, you're right. The football season is here. I've been reading about five preseason publications just to get everybody else's, uh, view and had a couple of these, uh, editors or publishers or writers on a couple of my other shows just to interview them and get their feelings. But I tell you, when we, uh, get this close, it's, uh, time to put out our own polls and have the media days. They're all gone and they, Media ranks all who they think is going to be the best in the north or the south or the east or the west or whatever conference they're in. And uh, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. And uh, I want to thank all of our listeners uh, to uh, for joining us. And, again, we always want to say at the beginning of the podcast, it's just our thoughts and our opinions. So let us know what your thoughts are, too, and we'll work them into the show. And I just let the people know um, we've moved to our new platform, so it's been a little over a week now. Uh, uscfootball.com. You can go check it out. Um, we have a countdown clock on the front page. So, Coach, as we're recording, there is one month, two days, one hour, 31 minutes, and 11 seconds until USC football kicks off against Western Michigan. So just letting people know, you can go to the front page of uscfootball.com. If you just want to know how many days are left, how much longer until I got to go, can go to the Coliseum or tune in the Pac-12 network and uh, and watch the USC Trojans, just over a month as of right now. And I uh, wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Before we jump into anything else, sctickets.com, or you can call them at 
888-957-2287. You can check out tickets for if you want to go Dodgers, Angels, any baseball across the country. Of course, football is starting up again. If you want to go to the theater, I was talking to my friend this morning and she used them. She ended up going to see, uh, it was the Book of Mormon, uh, at the Pantages, I believe. So, uh, SCTickets.com can help you out. Hey, uh, what did you say? We can watch it on what network? The, uh, it's called the Pac-12 network. I think it's this new thing. So it's probably just taken a while to, to get out there. You might not be able to get it on DirecTV yet, but I'm sure soon you'll be able to. Oh, I hope so, because <laughs> they've been working on it for about 10 years. Okay. Uh, work in progress, so I hope it certainly does work. Uh, there is a lot of stats put out there and a lot of talk at Media Day, and you guys have probably discussed this, but, uh, you know, you mentioned that network, so I have to make a comment. You were saying they're going to cut down on the commercial times and cut the halftime to 15 minutes to 20 minutes to speed up the game and all of that. Now, first of all, they're probably cutting the commercial time down because they can't sell it, okay? because it's not getting the ratings that it's supposed to get. And to cut down halftime, obviously you've never been a coach before, you've never been in a locker room before, to know that by the time you get off the field, okay, by the time you get off the field and you do your interview, one of the coaches have to do an interview. I hope they get rid of that then. And have your, when you go in the locker room, the first thing you do, the trainers grab the players, they rehab, they retape, they do the different things. We need to change cleats at times or jerseys if it's, what weather, do whatever we have to do. Coaches meet briefly and they all talk about what their thoughts are. Then you break up and you go to your group. And then all of a sudden someone's going to come in and say, time to leave, time to get on back on the field or you're going to be penalized. Now, halftime is for people to go down and get a concession, go to the restroom too, the people to go to the game. Uh, it's all for the people too at the game as well as it is for the people away from the game. And also the coaches and the players that play the game. So, Larry, let's have a little bit of thought about the people that attend the game, the people that play the game, what's got to be done during the halftime. I am really surprised that the coaches weren't asked, or if they were asked, that they allowed this to happen. It's absolutely impossible because some locker rooms are farther away from others. It takes you a couple of minutes to get off the field even to get into the locker room and a couple of minutes to get back out of the locker room. And then you have to give a halftime speak and talk to your players. I don't know how they're going to do it. I have no idea how they're going to do that as far as one of the methods that the Pac-12 is going to try to cut down and speed up the game so it ends 30 minutes earlier. I just had to let that off my chest, okay? And no problem, Coach. And I just just to be, let everyone know, we were joking. Um, so there Pac-12 wasn't even, I mean, uh, DirecTV wasn't even discussed, uh, during Larry Scott's opening statements. I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't with him the whole time at lunch when he was sitting down talking with various reporters, but I never heard it, uh, brought up. So I don't think there's any progress being made there, but the, the reduction of halftime and commercials, that's only going to be for non-conference, uh, some non-conference uh, games that appear on the Pac-12 network. It's kind of an experiment. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've talked to other coaches, too. I think, like, 30 minutes and stuff, that's too long. But at 20, it's hard to kind of just get everything in there, too. So cutting it down doesn't make a lot of sense. And and your point to reducing the number of commercials, I think it's probably because most of the commercials they run are Pac-12 promos. So it's not like uh, if they were selling all that inventory, I don't think that w- this would be an issue. But because they can't sell all those ads anyway... Um, I think you're, you probably hit the nail on the head there, Coach. 
Well, I don't want to be negative, but, you know, you don't cut out revenue just to cut out the mean to, to speed the game up. Uh, you, you would think you would do that, but not when you're not barely making it or you're behind every other conference. So you have to find a reason to come up with to, to say you're going to speed the game up on some some games. Maybe some games aren't uh, as popular as other games, so you help to speed it up to keep people on your network and not change and go away. But the halftime thing, I think, is just basically impossible. 20 minutes is a minimum that you need as far as getting off the field, on the field, doing your interviews, making your adjustments, equipment changes, rehab, retaping. Uh, meetings with your players. It's just impossible to do, but they'll do it if uh, Larry Scott says to. Um, we want to jump into these questions. And before, I just want to mention something. So it came out uh, Sunday night. There's been reports in the LA Times and the Orange County Register. We're not going to go into this because it's just kind of breaking news, but Matt Boromeister, the uh, USC kicker, um, who's no longer enrolled in the university, there was a student conduct issue. They said that, you know, the reason why he's no longer there, he, he was, of course, the Rose Bowl hero at the end of the game, um, you know, kicking the game-winning field goal. Um, but basically his girlfriend, who ends up being a uh, – she's a student athlete as well. She plays soccer for USC, has now come out and through lawyers and stuff and, and interviews saying that nothing happened, um, that they've, you know, kind of – uh, the Title IX people interviewing her were kind of pushing her in one direction, and he shouldn't be suspended and all of that. And so there's a lot of outrage on Twitter, and we're seeing stuff on the message boards and everything. And uh, we're not going to, you know, get into it, but, but just mention I my personal opinion. Uh, I no matter what happened, or you know, we don't know what happened there, uh, but because of the process this has already taken, I don't see Matt Boromister uh, returning to the team. Um, at this point, he's no longer enrolled in school. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe something weird happens, but people are like, oh, he should be able to come back. No matter what happened, I just don't see that, uh, as being one of the, the outcomes, which is, you know, if, if nothing happened and then it's very unfortunate for the player, we, you know, there's going to be a lot of Title IX talk now because it's kind of th- something that you're trying to fix a problem and you might have created another one in the process. But, um, yeah, I just want, we wanted to mention that, but this isn't something we want to dive into. I don't know if you, had any other thoughts, Coach, before we jump into the other stuff? Not really. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunate that this incident happened. I don't know the facts. I don't know what happened or anything, but uh, I feel sorry for uh, the situation on on, uh, his behalf and his family's behalf as far as his future and everything, and also the football team and the people it affects, uh, the university and how it affects them in a positive or negative manner, and uh, also the success of the team and, of course, the young lady we have to really be concerned about her too because it's very important that young women are, are protected and there isn't abuse in any type of way but let's move on yeah uh so there'll be stuff you know check the newspapers or the website you know we'll have stuff on uscfootball.com but uh, I, my guess is when we go out to practice today we're not going to get a statement we're going to get this is something that was handled and, and move on so i i don't think you're going to see any kind of breaking news coming from practice or anything but stay tuned for all that um, but we just wanted to mention it. Let's uh, jump into the questions, Coach. Um, first off, uh, we actually have Frank from Las Vegas. So if you remember last week, we were talking about um, game tickets for the uh, Pac-12 championship game up at Levi Stadium. And they announced uh, at Pac-12 Media Day that they're extending the deal out to 2019, like with an option, I think, for 2020. Uh, but by then, 
coach, hopefully the, the stadium in Las Vegas or the Inglewood Stadium, which should both be opening in 2020, could host the game. But we'll, we'll get into that later. But he said, I went on to Pac-12.com slash tickets Thursday morning and got great seats for $200 each. Now, if USC will just be there for me, it will be an expensive weekend, but that's why my wife said, that's what my wife said about the Rose Bowl game, and it was worth every penny. Uh, fight on Frank in Vegas. So Frank in Vegas, coach, he did, he went out and bought those tickets. Well, I'm proud of him. He's a, he's a solid believer and, um, he thinks the Trojans, uh, should be in that game. And if you want a great tickets, he can go ahead and do that. Uh, we discussed this a little bit last week on our thoughts on where that game should be held and why the extension was only for two years and all of the above and the uh, city that does really promote special events, and it's a hub sort of of the Pac-12, where that game will, I think, end up like the Pac-12 basketball championship and how successful it's been there now when it wasn't very successful in Los Angeles or Southern California. So uh, I'm proud of you. Get those tickets. Uh, have your faith. Get to those games. Uh and enjoy it. Uh, but personally, uh, as I've said, uh, the game hasn't been attended that strongly or, you know, they've announced attendance and so on. I think ticket availability will always be there. And again, uh, I'm not trying to cut down on ticket sales for the Pac-12. We're saying that the Trojans will not be in the championship game. I'm just saying, you know, you got to win a, a lot of games to get there. And I play one week at a time. And uh, I think that's uh, the way I would do it if I was looking at tickets. Yeah, I feel the, uh, I feel the same way. That's good. I mean, if you got great seats and you feel good about them, awesome. Um, we just don't know. You might be able to get those seats later for like 50 bucks. Uh, but diehard fan, it's good to know. He's got, he's got his seats. He's secure. So you want that security? You got them now. You don't have to worry about it. Um, we have a Tarek with a Q. I love that we have two Tareks that write into the show. Um, I don't know if I've ever, you know, every time you say Tark, I think of Jerry Tarkin. Okay. You know that? <laughs> I used to call him that all the time. Hey, Tark. Hey, Tark. Hey, Tark. And in fact, one of my friends named his grandson after Tark, and he named him Tark. Nice. So every time you call in Tark, I think of Jerry Tarkanian. I just want you to know, and thank you for calling in, because you are a regular. Yeah, it's Tarek. So there's an I in oh, there. Okay. So T A R. So there's a T A R I K, and there's a T I T A R I Q. Um, uh, which is great. So I don't think I've known uh, a Tarek in my life, and now we know. Now we got a couple of them. Um, so he wants to know: Do you see USC redshirting uh, Stephen Carr? So that he's the incoming five-star uh, running back, incoming freshman. Since we have uh, Ronald Jones, Avai, and Akacedric Ware, or do you think the coaches will utilize all four backs this year? What do you think, Coach? Well, I think it's going to be difficult to redshirt him. I don't think you, when you recruited him, uh, there was any type of indication in the recruiting when you talked to him that uh, you're great, we want you to come and play for us, but we want to redshirt you the first year. I don't think you'd have gotten Stephen Carr. I think that uh, when you get out and compete out there, Stephen Carr is going to try to be the starter. He's not going to try to be a backup. And, of course, uh, Jones is, is the one that's returning and uh, getting a lot of preseason uh Notice, which I think he should. And uh, he should be a great running back for USC. But I think Stephen Carr's got to go out there with the attitude of there's no red shooting whatsoever in my name. I'm going to make my name out here like other former running backs have at USC. And I don't think, 
uh, if he's uh, what he's going to be on this level, and I think he's going to be, he'll he'll end up playing, and uh, he should be playing a lot. But you always hear me saying the best players play, and uh, I think that if he is one of the best players, he should play. Now, if he's having difficulty in grasping the system and needs the extra work and blocking or some of the things that are necessary, then you sit down and you discuss it with him. But I don't think you can go into the season at all thinking about a redshirting of an athlete such as him. I think he's one that you, is going to see the field. I, I like him as a running back. He's a big, uh, the biggest of all the running backs, and I think that uh, he will contribute to the Trojans. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I just think uh, we don't know what the rotation D'Lon McCullough is going to use, but he's so talented. And I think you know a lot of times you look at players that bring something uh, different to the table and he certainly is a, a great uh catcher of the football um catching balls out of the backfield is one of his strengths so i think that we know that you know ronald jones got better at it but it's still not you know i wouldn't say that's one of his strong points if they want to utilize that more in the offense uh you might see uh more of him but you know you could they could do that with guys like dominic davis and stuff too um so there, there's some options there what this rotation will end up being uh, we'll, I'll be curious to see, uh, how they use it because it's a brand new running back coach. You know, is he a guy that, you know, they, he's put guys in the NFL. And so he's had featured backs in the past. Is it going to be a lot of, you know, Rojo and not a lot of other guys or is it going to be spread around? Uh, we just don't know yet. And I, you know, I'm not sure they do. I think that's something that they have to figure out. And that's part of what you do, uh, during fall camp. I agree with you, Ryan. The main thing you have to be very careful of, and you've heard us talk about this, and you've heard the defensive players talk about it, is formation tendencies, down distant, uh, tendencies that you, uh, that you sometimes form under certain game situations. Now, of course, you're aware of what your tendencies are, but the first team you scout is yourself. You scout yourself so you know everything your opponent knows about you. And then that way you kind of you try to counteract a lot of the things you're doing so that the, you don't have this uh, tendency pattern that people can call their defenses to. We had a question from Tarek with a K about he wants to know how Kenny Bigelow is looking. And so he's, of course, the senior defensive tackle, former five-star player that you know, he's had a couple of surgeries. And we actually had him on the podcast a few months back, if you want to go back and Listen to what he had to say, but he seems to be recovering nicely. Now, I, I was out there Saturday, coach, and, uh, you know, wasn't really paying all that much attention to him, but what we saw him doing some of the drills. But when it came to like the team 11 on 11 stuff, I was watching the linemen and what kind of rotation they were in. And he was just on the sideline. He wasn't coming in, um, there. So my guess is and we didn't talk to Clay Helton about this specifically, and he's going to be the only person talking about injuries this year. Um, the players aren't supposed to talk about it, but, uh, it's probably going to be kind of a process bringing him in. I mean, obviously one day and no pads where he wasn't really doing any teamwork. Uh, you're not going to say like what kind of progress he's making. Um, but he's, he's out there now. And I do think if he's able to be a big contributor this year, it, it, it would be a nice boost for the offense. I mean, otherwise for the defense, sorry. Uh, maybe like a Marlin Tui Pelotu, who's getting, was getting first team reps. He's a true freshman. He looks, he looks a lot like a Stevie Tui Kolovatu coach, but Stevie Tui Kolovatu was married and 25 years old. He wasn't 18 coming in and playing his first college football game. So it's, it's a big difference. So if you could get a, uh, 
a guy like Kenny Bigelow, who's been around for a long time, uh, in the middle of that line helping out, I think it would be a nice veteran presence. And, you know, he, he really wants to come in and make a name for himself because there's been, uh, talk about him, but just he hasn't been able to be healthy enough to be out there and contribute. Uh, but for Tark, you know, we, we haven't really got to see much from him yet. We'll get coach will give his thoughts too, but, um, we'll watch, we'll watch for him and see. But so far, I really didn't get to see much. Well, you know, I like Kenny Bigelow, and he doesn't need to prove anything. The number one thing you want to make sure is he's healthy, ready to go when you need him ready to go. I mean, just running reps in there isn't something that uh, is necessary for him. And uh, he knows basically the lineups and the things that you're doing. He's been through it a hundred times. He taught these younger kids during the summer camps exactly uh, what to line up and what to do. And where a lot of kids sometimes get hurt is when you're not in pads and when you're going through these type of drills. So you want to keep him out of that until he's fully uh, braced up and got his knees uh, in the type of proper gear to protect himself and, and on the offensive side, not get knocked down, knocked down from the side and fall over somebody. So you're going to bring him back slowly and you're going to build up his confidence so that when it is game time and when it makes a difference, he knows he's 100%. He can go 100%. He's not trying to test his knee. And, and the worst thing to do is to play when you're trying to protect something, but you're afraid something's going to happen to you. That's when you do get hurt. you got to be able to build him along and build his confidence back up in his head so that he's ready to go out there and he's saying, my knee is strong, I'm ready to go. And then he can give the type of effort to lead and be like a Stevie T or be close to a Stevie T or be able to be a contributor factor to the defensive line, which USC needs. So I know there's a lot of depth there, but you do need a guy that's been around for a long period of time that is sort of the a spokesman of the group. And I think he could do that. I think he's a good kid. And uh, he didn't need to prove anything to me as far as a head coach would be concerned. Well, I want him around when we're playing, okay? And I want him to have the confidence in his mental confidence in himself that I'm 100% and I can go full speed. And that's what they're trying to do. I'm sure of that. All right, Tark, thanks for that one. We got Michael who wrote in and said, why does it seem that safety Marvell Tell has complete job security? I've been watching games from last year and I see a bunch of missed tackles and blown assignments, uh, blown assignments by Marvell Tell. Is it possible we could see someone overtake his safety spot? I think we need Cook on the field. And to me, it seems either Jack Jones or Marvell Tell should be the odd man out. I'd love to hear what both coach, uh, and you think. Thanks for all you guys do and fight on. And just to, to let you know, um, Jack Jones and Iman Marshall were getting the at least you know, the first team reps that we were seeing uh, practice on Saturday, and Marvell Tell was out there. Jamel Cook was coming in, playing cornerback is what we mostly saw him at, um, and he was basically the the backup to uh, Jack Jones. So of course, that was just the first day, but that's what we were seeing out there, Coach. Well, you know, uh, Marvell Tell, uh, of course, got, has got a lot of experience, and everybody's made mistakes, but. Uh, you know, he's going to have great competition from uh, this kid from uh, uh, Bowling, from uh, Bishop Gorman, and the kid from Arizona, and, and of course, Cook, and so on. I think Cook's the guy that's going to motivate Marshall and Jamal Cook and Jones because he can step in and play, and they know he can play. So that you got to have a motivator, and this kid's a motivator. I think that's why he's out there at corner. He's telling Jack Jones, hey, buddy, you better, you know, I want your job. 
and he's six three, six four, and can run, and he's a tough kid. Not to say that Jones isn't, and but I'm just saying this is the type of guy that motivates your starters because at any time he could step on the field and play as you know, nickelback. He could play safety. They're in a place on the field he can't play. He's a great athlete. We talked about him. In fact, when we had our recruiting broadcast, Ryan, I told you at that time what the Florida State coaches told me about him. Uh, it was going down to the last minute between Florida State and USC. He's a great player. And he's going to have the opportunity to play this year. And he's a year older because last year he had an injured ankle or something. He couldn't play. But it's just, he's a mature kid. And he's going to play. And he's what you call the motivator. He's the kid that's going to make all your first-liner guys play harder, but you've got a guy that can come in there and play. And I think also you've got a strong group of secondary backup players, especially with the young players, too, where no one has it made, okay? No one has it made. The same side of the ball on the offensive side, which wasn't the question that was asked. You've got a lot of great future players over there. It's just that someone's got to emerge. And I think you've got some some players like players you've had in the past you just got to give them a chance to step up and be those players. And I think that's what's going to have to happen this year with receivers. So I think it's just part of motivating, and he's your motivator. because He's a great athlete, and he can put any one of you down on the bench, and you feel as a coach, if someone goes down, this kid can play. I uh, agree with you, Coach. Um, let's move on. Paul in Vegas. So he says, I noticed the pro training camps using manner of devices to teach ball security. Quarterbacks are continuously swatted with large padded bats while the, while they have the ball. Ball carriers run through machines hitting them around the, uh, the ball when running. Do our skilled players practice with these type of devices? Thanks, Paul in Vegas. And I'll just mention this. We talked to, uh, Dylan McCullough, the new, uh, running back coach about it. If you look on YouTube, you can see what he was doing in Indiana. He had some special devices like footballs that had strings attached to them where he could yank on them. And, uh, there were some other kind of neat things. And we actually talked to him a little bit about that on, uh, the podcast we had him on. If you want to go look that up. Um, but he likes to do some of those things. When I was covering Fresno State, they had some kind of devices, but not a lot of like specialty ball security devices that I've seen at USC besides like taking padded, like they're not like bats, but they're just like the basically like the um, things you would jump over on the field or whatever. They, they would, uh, you know, hit players with that as they kind of run through. I don't know if you saw anything different coach, but USC hasn't really used a lot of that kind of, if you want to call it like technology to uh, work on ball security that I've seen. No, they don't have any of the machines that uh, you normally had. We used to have the machines that everybody ran through. And also you run to a, a line where you have both of your uh, backs lined up and they're grabbing at the ball. You see that type of drill. Uh, the one with the uh, string attached to football, I, I haven't seen that before. Probably I'm a little bit behind time on that, but I like what you said. I think that has a lot of merit to it because you don't know exactly when it's going to be pulled. And also... Another thing, too, you're always uh, thinking about today's the way people tackle. It's a different method of tackling than it used to be in the past. It's strip the football, strip the football, tackle the football, tackle the football. And uh, ball security is so important now with receivers as well as anyone. I've even seen defensive linemen pick up the ball and start to run, and they get their ball stripped because they don't carry the ball that often, and they forget, forget about uh, ball security. So ball security is really, really important. After the catch, before the play, during the uh, yards, after the first hit, all of those type of things are 
mentioned and taught off of videotapes over and over and over because today uh, turnovers is the name of the game and ball security is the name of the game as far as offense, as far as giving the momentum of the game after a big play back to the defense. So, or either way, or uh, the defense making a big play like McCray made in the Rose Bowl. Without that play in the Rose Bowl or the play before, when Owusu, I think it was, made uh, the, 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 the tackle for the loss, otherwise they wouldn't get the ball back. I mean, these type of plays are the difference in football games. So uh, ball security and stripping the football are part of the game today. Let's see. We have um, Keith in Oakland, Coach. And, oh, yeah, the I don't. we haven't seen that out yet, there yet, by the way, um, some of the, the methods he used. But if you want to go on YouTube and just uh, go to Dylan McCullough, um, there's some fun kind of drills out there. I think we're going to start to see more of that um, this fall, but we'll see. Uh, Keith and Oakland want to know, Coach, how often should we expect to see a jumbo package or jumbo packages used this year? What do you think? Well, you've heard me talk about that for years as far as teaching toughness with the jumbo package. Uh, uh, you know, you just can't all of a sudden just line up and do it. You've got to teach it as far as getting off the football and for short yardage. And when you run this type of offense, it's something that I used to call breaker. When I needed that offense in the game, I'll just say, you know, breaker, breaker, breaker. And everybody knew that uh, the, the importance of that formation and what we were trying to do with it. We were trying to break someone's back as far as getting this extra yard or scoring a touchdown or whatever. We had two plays to make one yard, and we're going to do it with breaker. We're going to be tougher than they are, and we're going to get it done. Uh, I've seen some of that in the package at USC in the past, but not a lot of it. But to do that, you've got to believe in it. You can't just practice it once in a while because it isn't part of your game. It's got to become part of your practice schedule. It's got to be part of your goal line package, short yardage package, and it's got to be with special personnel who have the pride in running that package so that they know that what it's all about. And off of that, you don't just run the football. Obviously, you have play-action pass and other things as far as part of the package that you can utilize, too. But it's a pride type of formation. It's a very important part of the game as far as making a yard or not making a yard or having two downs to make three yards or whatever, that when you call that formation jumbo, I call it breaker. you got to break their back. We're either going to break their back or it's not going to happen here that the kids on this unit know what it's all about as far as what we're trying to do with this unit. Now, you got to spend time on it. It can't just be something you just do once in a while. You call and expect it to work. you got to scrimmage it. you got to build up the part as far as the mental part of it, the physical part of it, and the toughness as far as what these guys feel and who they are that are part of this unit. So, you know, it's just not something you work on, but, you know, I've always believed that you need to have that toughness, that teach toughness, a football team toughness is important as far as football goes uh this team's got to be tough this year it's going to be a tough schedule with no bye week so uh we'll see if usc's got that toughness that coach harvey hyde's talking about uh eric in duck country from what you've seen does porter gustin look like he's ready to become a true edge rushing threat thanks as always Eric and Duck Country. And if, if you didn't see, uh, he made, Port Augustine made Bruce Feldman's, uh, list of, uh, top freak athletes in college football. I think he was number 10. He was in the top 10. So pretty good. Um, 
he's a freak, man, when you look at him. But I agree, Coach. What do you think? Could he be that guy that's just a dominant edge rusher that no matter what the play is, he's disrupting the play by personally just getting after the quarterback and blowing up plays in the backfield? Well, you have different opinions. Uh, you know, I haven't seen him in the spring. He's a lot bigger, and he looks like uh, Tarzan, but I hope he doesn't play like Jane. I mean, that's something that uh, you always used to say about a lot of your guys that really pass the eye test. But uh, to play the edge, you've got to really be quick. you got to come off the edge. you got to have a lot of speed. you got to be able to force the tackle to worry about if he can get to you. You're not really physical on, on the outside. You want to get past the tackle where, you know, if he tries to take you too far to the outside, you still are containing, but you can come inside. Now, last year at the end of the year, he picked up on his containment. Earlier in the year last year, he lost containment a lot. I hope he hadn't gotten too big. Now, what I mean by that, it's never, if you keep your quickness or you get faster, it's great. But I, I hope he hadn't gotten too big. He looks huge now when you see him out there. He passes the eye test. There's no question about it. But, again, that's not what an edge rusher is. An edge rusher, if you look at some of the great edge rushers in the NFL, they aren't big, huge guys. They're guys that get to jump on the football. They're the guys that get to tackle who can't handle them. Tackle leans one way, they go the other way. He plays with the mind of the tackle. So I'm anxious to see that. You know, I've always told you Levi Jones, the kid that they got out of Texas, is going to be a great thing. I don't know if they're playing him inside or outside. I always thought he's going to be an outside player because of the way he's got such great team speed. I know Florida State was going to play him outside. So uh, I, I just... Uh, I can't say that yet, but I say can say this. He improved at the end of the year last year with his containment. He made some tackles. He went back inside. He got became a better football player at the end of the year. Now, if he can start off as good of a football player that he was at the end of the year and adjust, and adjust to his size and so on and still has the quickness, yes. But right now I have to wait and see that. We got one last one for you, coach. Now, this is what, you know, we haven't, I don't think we've had a lot of questions from Michael in Maryland. So I want to read it to you, but it seems like a little, uh, last year sort of question, but I'll, I'll read it off to you and kind of get your thoughts. He said, thanks for all you guys and gals do. The question I have is, what do you think about this? Last year, Nick Saban hires Lane Kiffin as the offensive coordinator before the season. Well, he actually has been there a couple seasons. Um, Kiffin was the head coach. That was unceremoniously fired on the tarmac of LAX. You know the story. SC then hires Steve Sarkeesian, and then you know the story too. Saban hires him too, and doesn't say anything until just before they play the Trojans. I can't believe no one mentions these facts about how Saban had the last two USC head coaches who had every reason to embarrass USC. They knew the players, the offense, and defense, and all, and had all summer to teach the Alabama coaches and players about USC's players and schemes. I was amazed at how Alabama players knew the routes as well as SC receivers until this dawned on me. Put this together with Helton and the other coaches' first game uh, with these players and the general turnover of coaches at USC the last five years, and voila. Uh, anyway, enough of that. Looking forward to a great season and uh, fight on. And I'll, I'll just jump in real quick, Coach, and get your thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure that had a whole lot to do with it. I think what you mentioned, you know, being the first uh, day on the job, really, for Clay Helton, uh, this was a team that was playing a lot better later in the season than they were early. You know, they lost to Stanford too and lost to Utah. So it wasn't like just Alabama. I don't think they would have been embarrassed later in the season. You know, they could have easily lost Alabama, but I don't think it would be 
as bad as it was. Um, but I think we've talked about this too before, um, having those two guys, former head coaches over there at, uh, at Alabama. But I, to me, it didn't seem like it had a huge factor. What are, what are your thoughts, coach? Well, you know, like I said, it, you know, USC wasn't ready for Alabama no. early in the year. Yeah. They weren't ready for him. They were out hit. They were out pursued. They were out everything, out prepared. USC wasn't ready for that type of football team, the number one football team in the country. And they learned a lot from that game. What a way to learn. I have to agree. It's a terrible way to learn, but it's a way of finding out, wow, we got a ways to get better. I mean, the coaching staff as well learned. The players learned that, uh, hey, we're not right. We just can't walk in there and say, we're USC and we're going to beat somebody. No, that isn't going to happen. So they, they changed, they learned, they became a good football team at the end of the year. They had a lot of more spirit. I think the uh, coaching staff did a better job of coaching. The play calling became better. Defensively, they became better. They got to figure out who should be playing where, and you get your best players on the field. They had none of that the first couple games of the year, not just Alabama, but the first couple games of the year. They should have beaten Utah, and they found a way to lose that. So, uh, you know, uh, they're they're getting there, USC. They're getting there. They're getting back. And uh, play teams like Penn State, Washington, that makes them a better football team. They've got to be ready early, and they can't waste Western Michigan. they got to be ready. That gets them ready for Stanford. Stanford's ranked in a lot of these polls in the top 10, 11, 12. Probably the lowest I've seen them is 14 in the country. They've learned how to win, and David Shaw might be, well, he is one of the most experienced coaches in the Pac-12. And he does what they do, and they do it well. So you got to be ready. You can't just assume uh, we're going to go out and beat Stanford. No. You better be ready for them. And Tom Herman in Texas, they got players at Texas. It isn't like Charlie Strong, Strong didn't have players. They got players. And Tom Herman can't wait to play USC in the Coliseum. As far as uh, recruiting and on national exposure, the whole package. Because USC's the favorite in this football game. What do they have to lose? They have nothing to lose but to go out there and upset the Trojans. So this is what the Trojans got to think about. Are we who we are? And we've got to play like who we're supposed to be. And if you do that, then you got a chance. But one game at a time. And, uh, of course, they're a much better football program than they were at the early part of the year against Alabama. Not just a football team. Football program and as far as Sarkeesian and Kiffin and all of that I think that probably if Nick Saban had a chance to go back and we do everything he wouldn't have hired either one of them <laughs> fair point coach um, all right well hey good stuff uh, we look forward to seeing you out there on the practice field coach um, checking this stuff out it's kind of a slow start uh, even though they started in July they got practice today so just people know uh, I think it was a think it, Three o'clock today or three thirty, I forget what time. Um, this is the last open practice you can go to. So if you're listening to the podcast, driving down to USC, this is the last time you're going to be able to go to see football practice. So go check it out. Hope you guys enjoy it. And otherwise, stay tuned to us uh, here on the Peristyle Podcast or USCFootball.com. We'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on um, down at practice. But coach, thanks again uh, for coming on and sharing your insights. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you very much, and have a great week, everyone. All right. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. 
Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.